Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. If you're looking for entertainment, there's a lot of places to spend your money. You can go to a movie, a nice restaurant, head to a concert. But if you're in the casino business, it's no longer just about getting someone to come in and gamble. The glut of casinos in the Northeast only adds pressure on developers to make their casino a true destination. Today, where we live, we get an update on the latest plans to open more casinos in our region. MGM Springfield is set to open in late 2018. Meanwhile, a partnership between the tribes that operate Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun are in the process of accepting bids to locate a third casino in northern or central Connecticut. The partnership is not without controversy. Later, we'll hear from the chairman of the Mohegan and Mashantucket Pequot tribe about why they've reopened a bidding process for that third Connecticut casino. And we'll also hear from MGM officials about why they believe the Connecticut process is flawed. Later in the hour, we'll talk with two towns in Connecticut vying for the new casino. Do we really need more gaming destinations? What's at stake for Connecticut tribes and local residents with the opening of MGM Springfield? We want to hear from you, 860-275. 7266. You can email where we live at wnpr.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Joining me now in studio is Kenneth Gosselin, business reporter for the Hartford Current. Welcome to the show, Ken. Hi, Lucy. Thanks for having me. And on the phone is Dan Glon. He's a reporter at MassLive.com in Springfield, Massachusetts. Hi, Dan. Thanks, Lucy. Happy to be here. I'll start with Ken because we're here in Connecticut. Um, how did the competing tribes, um, the, Fo- the Mashantucket Pequots and Mohegans who run Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun, how did they come together to this um, to make this third casino happen? Well, there really was a big concern uh, on both their parts. I mean, they're, they're these fierce, fierce competitors, obviously down in, in uh, southeastern Connecticut, and. Uh, with the expansion of casino gambling now coming in Massachusetts, not only in Springfield, but elsewhere in the state, New York, and over in Rhode Island, and it's just all around them, um, they really saw a threat to you know their revenues okay, that are coming into their um, re- respective casinos and entertainment complexes that they have. Um, but also um, uh, legislators and others in the state saw that this as uh, taking a possible hit, okay, to the, the revenues that the state gets from casino gambling in Connecticut and also the jobs that are associated with them. So they came together and um, um, decided that they wanted to maybe open a third casino to kind of, you know, counteract some of that competition, um, you've been covering this closely. When uh, Springfield was awarded the gaming license, or the, was it the Connecticut tribes that were coming to their legislators down in the southeast corner saying, we're in big trouble if we don't find a way to compete? Yes, that was, that was part of what happened there. There was concern, obviously, among lawmakers, some of them, not everyone, but some of them. But the, the tribes were, of course, worried on how this would affect their operations here. And uh, so, yes, so then this kind of then developed, okay, and uh, the legislature in 2015 gave them permission to start looking for a location in uh, north-central Connecticut. I mean, at one point there was a thought of maybe we'll do three, but then the legislators, uh, uh, legislatures, 
thought maybe just focusing on one location would be better. There's a lot of questions about this partnership, and we're going to get to that later in the show. But I wanted to turn now to the reporter out of Springfield, Dan Glon. Uh, we know that MGM Resorts International has been working to build this $950 million resort casino in Springfield. Um, explain where they are in the process, Dan. Um, so they've made a lot of progress. Uh, it's been about a five-year process at this point since Massachusetts passed an expanded gaming act in 2011, which essentially... Uh, allowed uh, three casinos in the western, central, and eastern parts of the state to sort of get the ball rolling and start developing. Um, MGM was chosen in 2013 by the city uh, after two other competitors in western Massachusetts dropped out, including actually Mohegan Sun, who was trying to uh, build a casino in Palmer nearby. Um, And now, uh, after a couple years of sort of tussling with regulators and city councilors and a lot of you know delays over the project, which was originally supposed to open uh, in fall of 2017. Um, they've received all their approvals. Uh, there are construction cranes and concrete being poured in this 14 and a half acre lot in downtown Springfield. Um, and from everything they're saying, it seems like they're on target to meet that 2018 opening date. And how has the community you know, accepted this project? I know was it Milford and Palmer, even East Boston? Uh, none of those residents wanted a casino in in their neighborhood. You know why why are Springfield residents um, you know in favor of this uh, this resort casino? Well, there certainly was a lot of opposition, uh, but I think it pretty much comes down to economics. Um, Springfield has long been one of the more economically depressed urban centers in Massachusetts. Um, even now, well into the recovery, the unemployment rate is hovering around 7.5% compared to around 4% statewide. Um, and that's certainly been the pitch by Mayor Dominic Sarno, who has been one of the project's biggest boosters. Um, he sees it as part of what he calls this $2.7 billion in economic development that's currently ongoing in the city. Um, they've promised to create 3,000 permanent jobs, 2,000 construction jobs. Uh, they have hiring targets for minority and women-owned firms, for local uh, employees and contractors as well. Um, And so it really is seen as sort of a a centerpiece for revitalizing the downtown, um, which, in addition to having economic issues, was hit so hard by the tornado in June of 2011. And for the people in in Springfield who don't believe that a casino should be there in their city, what are their thoughts? Um, Well, they have a lot of thoughts. Um, There was an organized campaign against it. Uh, The casino process actually survived two votes. There was a local referendum where MGM was approved. And then there was a statewide ballot initiative in 2014 to try to repeal the casino law, uh, which failed. Um, and, I mean, their arguments, you know, range from being anti-gaming uh, in its entirety to concerns from some of the city councilors over the last couple of years that, uh, you know, worries that MGM wasn't going to live up to its commitments or that because they had changed the design of the project some that they were uh, considering backing out, which is something that MDM has always denied. You said that they'd changed part of the original plan. Was that in any response to um, what's been happening in Connecticut with the the two tribes partnering to open a casino to compete with MGM Springfield? Um, They would say no. Um, So essentially, uh, the casino was originally supposed to cost around $800 million. Now it's $950 due to what the company says has been delays and spikes in construction costs. And those costs, they say, led them to get rid of plans for a 25-story hotel tower and replace it with sort of a block-long, six-story hotel. And that was sort of the most dramatic visual change that sparked a lot of concerns um, among some uh, city councilors here in Springfield. Uh, But when you ask, you know, MGM Springfield people about what's going on in Connecticut, uh, they'll typically say they're focused on the project here, although obviously the 
company at large has uh, you know, put a lot of work into opposing the project uh, south of the border. That's right. And again, this is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel speaking with Dan Glon, a reporter at MassLive.com in Springfield. In studio, Kenneth Gosselin, business reporter for the Hartford Current. Uh, Ken, let's explore that. So MGM Resorts International has been spending a lot of time trying to counter what Connecticut's doing. Can you explain um, how they've been spending money here uh, to you know, raise opposition to this idea here? Well, they've, of course, gone to court, directly to court, to challenge the state law that allowed this whole thing to unfold as it has. And uh, they did lose the first round in that, but they are appealing that. So that is is one front. They've also been very active in uh, kind of hammering away at the proposal that was at the uh, um, Bradley International Airport up there, uh, really going at that as um, uh, from the perspective of that the the negotiations were done in secret. The authority was not forthcoming with what some of the details are. They went to the Freedom of Information Commission. They got some of the information that they were looking for, but not all of it, especially what the discussions in executive session were. So they've been really coming at this from all fronts very aggressively uh, with video ads uh, on Facebook. It just you it's just uh, it's all over the place. And, and funding a study that would say that, you know, this is the wrong place. Northern and central Connecticut is the wrong place, according to MGM, to be building a casino. Why not uh, the southwest corner? Right, exactly. They are really focusing on that that's where it should be. If you have questions, you want to join the conversation, 860-275-7266. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. You know, Ken, I wanted to just explore again um, this idea that, you know, they're looking, the two tribes uh, are looking to find a site for the third casino. This is unusual, though, right? This is not tribal land. Right. It's really, it's a major, major step for not only them but for the state because what you'd be doing, in effect, is establishing a commercial casino, Okay, and there's a lot of issues that kind of come around that because, you know, on, on the, the the tribes they have their sovereignty done on their reservations, but once you take it off the reservation, okay, so how does that affect taxation? You know, cut of slot revenue. So there's a lot of issues that have to be talked about and worked out. Okay, so it is it is a fairly major step forward, and not only that, just the two tribes actually wanting to cooperate together on something is unprecedented, really. And Dan, I'll turn back to you again, reporter at MassLive.com. Uh, what are the what's the take from Springfield officials? Are they worried about this third casino here in Connecticut? Um, I mean, you know, the the public line is no, um, that they're exclusively focused on opening the casino on time, and that they're convinced it will be a market success uh, regardless of what gets built south of the border. Um, but as Ken said, I mean, I think the increasing aggressiveness of MGM Resorts International's campaign down there, both legally and in sort of like the public relations initiative that they've launched, suggests that it is a concern for the company overall. Um, I mean, both you know MMCT, the tribal company, and MGM Springfield have spent at this point hundreds of thousands of dollars lobbying state government in Connecticut. Um, so it's definitely an active issue for them. Uh- uh, Dan, you mentioned uh, MGM is is um, set on opening on time. I'll turn it back to Ken. We know that the the two tribes have reopened the bid process, and so how will that impact them competing with the start time for MGM Springfield in late 2018? Well, about a year ago when they put out the first uh, RFP, they called the Request for Proposals, they seem to be in a very big hurry to get this thing going. But what has happened now, it has really slowed down. Obviously, a year has gone by. They ran into things that they didn't anticipate, local politics, you know, need for approvals. 
Now they're going back out again, okay, and looking for because some of the proposals have changed a little bit, so they're looking for updates and maybe others that come along. So this has really slowed down the process, and they still have to go back to the legislature for the final approval of this. So they had initially wanted to be open by time MGM or before they were open, but that's unclear whether that could actually happen now because in construction you're usually looking – you know, 18, 24 months to get something going, although if they had an existing structure they're going to retrofit might go quicker. That's Ken Gosselin, business reporter for the Hartford Current. He's going to stick around. Dan Glon, I want to thank you, reporter at MassLive.com, for joining the show today. Yeah, thanks so much. When we return, we're going to hear from MGM Resorts International, also the chairman of the Mashantucket Pequot and Mohegan Tribes. Stay with us. And again, you can join that conversation, 860-275-7266. We'll take your calls and comments after the break. This is where we live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. A casino drama has been brewing between MGM Resorts International, which is building a casino in Springfield, Massachusetts, and the partnership between Connecticut's Mohegan and Mashantucket Pequot tribes. Hartford Current business reporter Ken Gosselin is with me in studio today as we explore the process of opening a third casino in Connecticut to compete with MGM Springfield, slated to open in 2018. To get MGM's perspective, we're joined now by Alan Feldman, who's Executive Vice President of Global Government and Industry at MGM Resorts International, also Chairman of the Board for the National Center for Responsible Gaming. Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lucy. I appreciate the invite. So MGM has been very outspoken, spending a lot of money uh, to point out that um, what you believe is the process of the state of Connecticut is flawed in how they're pursuing this third casino. What are your main objectives? Well, I I think it's to point out that the decision that's being made in Connecticut is very significant. This is a big, this is a very big policy decision about something that's entirely new, entirely different. This is about expanding Connecticut into commercial gaming. And we're fully supportive of that. We think that that's a fine idea. But the policy that has been put in place and the process that's been put in place is very flawed. In most states, when this kind of, of decision is made, a very open, transparent, and most importantly, very competitive process is put in place. And you can see what happened in Massachusetts. There were bidders from all around the country who came to Massachusetts, including Mohegan Sun, including us, including uh, other major companies. And there was a very public process of uh, competition to determine who was going to win the licenses. In Connecticut right now, you have only the MMCT as the the entity that's in charge. There is no public agency. There is no public process. And it's very secretive, and it's very hard to know what's going on. And this just isn't the right way to be doing this. Let me ask, if the bid process had been open, um, instead of Connecticut lawmakers approving this tribe partnership, uh, would MGM have bid to build a Connecticut casino? We've been interested in Connecticut for more than two decades. I can remember quite a bit of time spent in Connecticut, in and around the Bridgeport area in the early 90s, uh, taking a look at the possibilities of of, uh, developing a a casino project there. Uh, Connecticut still has room for growth. The, The problem is that the way in which the process is structured now, it's really all about what is going to be in the best interests just of MMTC, as opposed to taking a look at what may be in the best interest of the state. 
And I think if you take a look at what's in the best interest of the state, where the state gets the most jobs and the most revenues, undeniably you'd have to be looking at southwestern Connecticut. Um, Alan, we're getting a tweet from a listener. Uh, Joe writes, build it in Bridgeport, Harbor Point, siphon gamblers from New York instead of competing with Springfield and include the Golden Hill Indians. I want to turn to our business reporter here, Ken Glon from the Hartford Current. Uh, The Bridgeport uh, discussion, well before my time, update our listeners on on why a casino was never opened down there, Ken. Well, when they were uh, in the 90s, as Alan mentions, um, there was discussion of where, you know, the um, another casino might go. And um, that was really kind of a little bit before I was covering. Um, but they decided they, they kind of decided to keep it in uh, critical mass in southeastern Connecticut. And so, um, Alan, your MGM. If I could just add a little bit, because I was there at the time. Um, Governor Weicker made a very uh, calculated political and, frankly, beneficial decision for the state at that time to cut off debate about whether or not there would be a commercial casino in Connecticut by signing an exclusive deal with the Mashantucket Pequot. And that deal subsequently was expanded to include Mohegan Sun. And that's what's been in place now for 20 years, that that uh, original uh, compact which gave the tribes exclusive rights to gaming in the state in exchange for uh, 25% of the slot revenue. And as everyone in Connecticut knows, the Pequot Fund has provided billions of dollars over the years uh, to the state of Connecticut, to the people of Connecticut. And I think it's important to remember that, uh, that this isn't about whether or not Mohegan and, and Foxwoods are, are good places or good people or well-run. They're terrific. They're terrific competitors. We compete with them in other places. We competed with them in Massachusetts, and and they operate casinos in other states as well. This really is about the the policy decision for Connecticut, which has always been tribal gaming has an exclusive right in this state. If you move to commercial gaming, and again I say a move to commercial gaming is perfectly fine, but you've got to consider the ramifications of that, part of which includes understanding what's going to happen to the Pequot Fund, but also, you've got to open up a process that allows for uh, open and transparent competitive bidding, not just for MGM, for, for any company. Um, Alan, before I take a call from a listener, you mentioned ramifications. What about um, ramifications on society? You know, there's the other side of this where people who don't agree with gambling and, and states and local governments are, uh, promoting casinos just so that they can gain more revenue. Well, There's nothing I can do to convince someone who is fundamentally opposed to gambling as a form of of government activity. But, I mean, I think we really need to take stock of where we are in 2016 uh, across the United States and understand that the public has voted on this, uh, if only with their their purchase decisions and with their, their choice of entertainment options. Uh, gambling is one of the most popular entertainment forms in the country. It ranks well up above attending sporting events, uh, it, above attending movies. It's a choice. Mm. And frankly, I think if the public is going to choose this activity, then it ought to be done in a properly regulated and taxed environment. The operators ought to be legitimate and, and licensed and and have the obligation of Maintain, proving and maintaining their integrity to the public all the time. 
And in states across the country, whether it's tribal gaming or commercial gaming, that's being done every single day. So I appreciate that there are people who choose not to go. No one's forcing them to. You know, we don't expect to, to win any public vote 100% to nothing. But at the same time, I think that that most reasonable people would expect that if the activity is going to exist, and it clearly exists in very large numbers, Americans enjoy this activity very greatly, that it should be done in a responsible, uh, licensed, and regulated way. We're also getting another tweet from uh, a listener. Quinn writes, uh, casinos disproportionately affect socioeconomically depressed communities. And I want to take a call now. Uh, Kayla is calling from Norwich. Kayla, you're on Where We Live. Kayla, you're on Where We Live. What's your question? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. You seem very worried about the two tribes' effort to build this new facility. By doing so, aren't you basically admitting that your casino in Springfield is doomed for failure if Mohegan and Mashantuck at Pequots are successful? All right. I think that's a question for you, Alan, from Kayla. Kayla, thank you for the question. Um, None of us are doomed to failure. All of us are going to be successful. Um, The question ultimately here is what's in the best interest for the state of Connecticut? There's no question that there will be impact. uh, When we open, there will be some impact on the operations of the two tribes that are in Connecticut, and that may conceivably put pressure on their obligations to the state under their compact. I think it's a very reasonable question, a very appropriate question for Connecticut to say, well, what is that impact likely to be, and is there a reaction? Is there something we should be thinking about doing? I don't think that just opening a slot box north in, you know, in northern Hartford is going to actually provide uh, for any real meaningful long-term benefit for the people of, of Connecticut. And certainly doing that in a process that is as secretive and, and uh, anti-competitive as this, that is doomed to failure. That process is doomed to failure. And in fact, you can see it every day in downtown Hartford. When, when you have a process that's a single-bid secretive process, you end up with a baseball stadium that you can't open. <laughs> How did I know you were going to go there, Alan? But <laughs> fair point. And I do want to thank Alan Feldman, Executive Vice President of Global Government and Industry Affairs at MGM Resorts International, also Chairman of the Board from the National Center for Responsible Gaming. MGM, again, is a developer of a $950 million casino and entertainment complex in Springfield, slated to open in 2018. Thank you, Alan, for your time today. Thank you very much. And now I want to turn it to the Connecticut tribes, uh, Rodney Butler, Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Council Chairman, and Kevin Brown, Mohegan Tribal Council Chairman. Again, both tribes are jointly working together to open a third Connecticut casino. They join the show now. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Lucy. And I'll start with you, um, Kevin Brown, first, uh, from the Mohegan tribe. Respond to the criticism that this process um, was not open and it's not competitive um, and there's an issue with transparency, Kevin. Well, obviously, our our immediate response to that is that that is, in fact, not the case. Uh, You know, this entire process has been uh, open in open hearings in front of the Connecticut legislature. Uh, The bid process was initiated by the Department of Consumer Protection for the state of Connecticut, and the the receipt of responses to the request for proposals have been through uh, uh, an independent real estate firm, Pierce Realty, uh, where each and every competitor has the opportunity to ask questions, 
have those questions answered and have all those questions and answers answers uh, online for everyone to view uh, so that everyone can stay attuned to, to the process. And why reopen the bid process? Explain the, the reasoning behind that. Yeah, it, that's a very difficult question. Uh, or I should say it's an easy question, but it's because of a very difficult process that we've been through. Uh, you know, looking at all of these sites uh, side by side, uh, we have we have received a number of entries, and each of them is equally feasible. Uh, the problem is that there's an imbalance between the pros and cons with each of the sites that we're currently looking at. Take that and add the fact that each of our current competitors has come to us with potential adjustments, new nuances to the to the pro, to the RFP responses they turned in. And it seemed to be a good time for us to restart the process to allow those current competitors and municipalities to provide these new and different options. And while doing that, why not let other communities enter if they, if they so desired here at this stage? And, and none of that is about a slowdown. I mean, let's keep in mind, we always had the second legislative session targeted as when we would look for a decision. The first session gave us the authorization to proceed down this path, and the upcoming session was when a decision would be made. Uh, before I go to Rodney Butler, um, who is the chairman of the Mashantucket Pequot Tribal uh, Council, Kevin, you mentioned this, that this opening up this uh, second uh, bid process is not a slowdown. We know MGM Springfield is slated to open in late 2018 with this uh, process reopening again here in Connecticut. Will, you, will this casino, this third casino, if built, still be able to compete on time with MGM Springfield? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, look, as as uh, as Mr. Feldman himself identified, we are a we are a a world class gaming company, as are the uh, Pequots over at Foxwoods. What we build will compete. There's no question about that. Uh, inside of your question is probably the the point of when do we put a shovel in the ground and when do we cut a ribbon? And the fact of the matter is 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 if we repurpose an existing facility, we can make that 18 to 24 month timeline that Ken Gosselin pointed out for you. And even if we don't, the facility that we build will absolutely be competitive. I'll turn now to Rodney, Rodney Butler, again, chair of the Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Council. Rodney, thank you for joining the show. Absolutely. Good morning, Lucy, and thank you. So tell us, what's at stake? If Connecticut were not to build this third casino, what's at stake for uh, the casinos that you and Kevin um, operate down the southeast corner? Well, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting question. That kind of leads to the broader comment that, that you had led in the program with of, of does Connecticut need a new casino? And from our perspective, this really isn't a new casino. There's casinos here today that have been very successful, and as Alan Feldman pointed out himself, that have donated, you know, over $7 billion, contributed over $7 billion uh, to the state of, of Connecticut in addition to the tens of thousands of jobs uh, that we've created. And so but really what's at stake is the preservation of those jobs and the preservation of those revenues that every single municipality in the state of Connecticut uh, relies on um, uh, to balance their budget. So that's what's at stake here, thousands of jobs, municipal funding, uh, and state revenue. Um, with the reopening of this bid process, you know, some would wonder if there are some disagreements among the tribes. Again, you guys have been competitors for a long time. Um, can you talk to that uh, point? Well, I will say that we've been competitors for a long time, but we've been distant cousins for a lot longer than that. So uh, we go back several hundred years, and we've had a great relationship working together. And uh, this isn't about differences amongst the, amongst the two tribes. It's really about getting it, getting the getting this process right and being very careful in, uh, about how we proceed because it's, it's so important not only to us but to the state and all of our employees. Uh, Kevin and Rodney, I do want to take some calls from our listeners, uh, Connecticut residents. Pam is calling from Ledger. Pam, you're on Where We Live. 
Hi. Um, uh, this is a very interesting show, and I, I think my questions might be a little bit different than what you're talking about. You're talking about the process and the bidding process and all that stuff, but I don't think that has anything to do with how this affects people's lives. I mean, I live down in Ledyard. It's a hassle to live around the casino with the traffic and the crime and things like that. And I honestly don't know where the money is going to come from to support all this gambling. It seems to me the pie is fixed, and you're just going to cut it into smaller and smaller slices. And the older people who are gambling won't be gambling for much longer. The millennials, I don't think, have the money to gamble. And um, I know that one of the commentators said that everybody's going to win, and it's, no one is doomed for failure, but look at Atlantic City. Atlantic City is easy to get to, and it's having severe economic troubles, and these casinos won't be easy to get to. So I don't understand. I mean, it's not a great win for the people, in my opinion, having lived with it. All right, Pam, thank you for your comment. I'll let, um, I'll let Rodney and Kevin uh, yeah. both answer. Thank Rodney, you. you first. Absolutely, Pam, and thank you so much, and appreciate you uh, as a fellow uh, oh, former Ledger resident, and many of my family live in Ledger. We certainly understand uh, the concerns that you share. And the reality is, is you're, you're right. You know, it is a fixed, uh, fixed pie, and everyone's fighting for a, a bigger slice of it. And with the new entrant of Springfield coming into the market, that's going to shrink the pie for Connecticut. And as, as you've seen as, as a resident of Ledger, you know, unfortunately, we've had to address the, the competitive nature of, of Rhode Island coming on board and, and New York coming online, and we've had to reduce our workforce. And those are, you know, residents of Ledger and, and like in the region, and that's, that's, that's impactful to us. And we're trying to protect that, and that's why we're proceeding with this initiative. And Kevin Brown? Yes, if I could just add, <clears throat> uh, you know, I, I appreciate Pam's concern about uh, whether we're relying on gaming revenues, uh, but I would point to Mr. Feldman's comment that in fact you know across this nation it is it is one of the 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 revenue generators from a from a recreational entertainment standpoint uh and so we're all just trying to do the best we can to make sure that that opportunity is provided in the right way uh and that right way includes limiting crime i mean there have been a number of studies done uh and this is always one of those favorite talking points about the crime that casinos bring, bring. but the fact of the matter is is while the the magnitude may increase. The per capita crime rate is the same or reduces. Um, Ken Gosselin's here. He's the business reporter for the Hartford Current. I know both gentlemen, you know him well. Uh, Ken, you know, what's your take on what Pam was asking in terms of, you know, market saturation and what are the real benefits for residents? Well, certainly the, uh, as everyone's been talking about, the pie is shrinking because there is so much competition in it. Casino gambling is no longer the novelty that it was once was, I guess, if that is the right word, um, when it first started in Connecticut. And I, I think uh, Chairman Brown and Chairman Butler have been addressing that by diversifying in what uh, they are doing. They are, you know, the shopping and the sports and the concerts uh, as a way to bring people in who aren't necessarily gamblers. Okay, so but certainly the core of the casino. A gambling is fa- under this huge amount of pressure right now. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathangel. Today we're talking about the casino industry in the region. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Again, 860-275-7266. I'm going to take a call now. David's calling from Woodbury. David, you're on Where We Live. Oh, hi. Hi, Lucy. Hi, everybody. Uh, oh, just to put it bluntly, uh, it, it, it's not gaming. It's gambling. And First, I, I'm just against it. It, it. it can put families asunder. 
at, 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 the, at, at the at the other end, a couple of times a year, it's it's a kind of entertainment. You, you expect to win or lose, but it's it's for for too many people, it's it's a it's a family uh, breaking a problem. And I I just and we 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 have two we have two established ones in southeastern Connecticut. Two is enough, and we do not need another one. Thank you very much. All right, David, thank you for your call. Uh, Rodney Butler with the Mashantucket Pequot uh, tribe. Obviously, this is a sentiment that you and your colleague, uh, Kev, at the other tribe are, are familiar with. Oh, absolutely. Look, I, I, have, I personally, I don't gamble, right? And I have family members who don't gamble, but that's their personal choice of entertainment. And so, But as David points out, there are people who have you know, serious addiction issues. And we, uh, along with the Mohegans, are lifelong supporters of the Connecticut Council on Problem Gaming. We're at the table and we're addressing these issues. In fact, we remove individuals and we have people self-excluded as well uh, who have these uh, issues with, with gaming. Rodney, can I ask why you don't gamble? Uh, it's just, it's, I have other hobbies. I have young kids and uh, I like to travel and, you know, it's, it's, uh, I have other pastimes that I enjoy. And, and Kevin Brown, would you like to respond um, to our, our caller, David? Well, yeah, if I can just be very objective about it, Lucy, uh, not to underwhelm the realities of everything that the caller pointed out, but objectively you have to be honest with yourself that we're talking about less than 1% of those that actually come to our facilities are problem gamers, the kind of folks whose entire life has been negatively affected. That's one out of 100. 99 out of 100 are using it the right way. And, and, and for those that aren't, as, as Chairman Butler pointed out, uh, we do what we can to make sure that they are not on the floor and involved. And I'd just also like to point out that, that one of the intricacies of this whole discussion is those monies that we pay to the state of Connecticut to help the Connecticut Council on Problem Gaming are focused on helping Connecticut residents. If we lose revenues here in this state from our, from our gross gaming and, and the taxes that we pay to the state of Connecticut because people are going into Massachusetts and gambling there, as our revenues decline, so, do, so does our ability to provide those funds that can take care of those few folks, those 1% that have the problems. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Thomas is calling from Hamden. Thomas, you're on where we live. Oh, uh, hi. Good morning. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment that um, it's more of a gut feeling, but uh, I think the the uh, more gaming casinos are a bad are a be- definitely a bad idea for Connecticut. I think Connecticut should put its emphasis on uh, on attracting more manufacturing jobs and allowing uh, making it possible for for corporations and companies to stay in Connecticut and move to Connecticut instead of we're doing just the opposite. We're leaving Connecticut, and we're filling the gap with Band-Aid situations like gaming casinos, which is just a temporary uh, situation. And in the end, it, it just doesn't make Connecticut attractive anymore, uh, unless you're a gambler or whatever. But uh, it's definitely not the thing to do. Manufacturing jobs will bring revenue and people into Connecticut. End of story. All right, Thomas, thank you for your comment. And we're almost out of time. I wanted to turn again to uh, the chairman of both the Mashantucket Pequot and Mohegan tribes. Before we head to break, update our listeners on what are the next steps. October 15th is just around the corner. Tell us about the towns that are interested and, and what happens. Rodney? Well, okay, or Kevin? <laughs> as you pointed out, Lucy, uh, October 15th is around the corner. Uh, we have uh, seen some readjustments in some of the plans that have proposed 
by the municipalities and developers already in the process and we have received some outreach from new municipalities and new developers so we've got our work cut out for us we're going to spend the next few months uh, going through the due diligence required to make the right selection and then we're going to move to the legislature uh, in the session after the turn of the year and we're going to tell them where we want to go so you'll have a location uh, for by January for the legislature to, to weigh in on we really, we really don't have much choice at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. That has always been our, our task, uh, and it kind of goes back to the timeline question. We are still where we plan to be at this point. Uh, granted, we thought we would have already selected a site, but by the time we go back to the le legislature, uh, we will have chosen the site that we want to propose uh, for the legislature to vote in a very open, transparent way in an open hearing uh, on the Hill in Hartford and tell us whether or not we can proceed. And when that certain town or city is chosen, will it then go to referendum so the residents can decide? Well, each town is unique in that, and some towns require a referendum. Some towns are city council, and so uh, it's really up to that town. All right. Well, I want to thank Rodney Butler, Mashantucket Pequot Tribal Council Chairman. Also, Kevin Brown, Mohegan Tribal Council Chairman, for joining the show. Again, they have a partnership. They're looking to uh, locate a third Connecticut casino. And as we hear it on the show, they're hoping to have that site uh, chosen uh, for the legislative session beginning in January. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Coming up, I, I, we're going to hear from some of the towns that are vying for that third casino. I do want to thank Hartford Business Reporter Ken Gosselin for joining us today, too. You can read his stories at thecurrent.com. Thanks, Ken. Thank you for having me. This is where we live. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Where We Live is looking for your questions, and we want to hear from you. Here's a topic we're going to dive into in an upcoming show. What have you always wanted to know about how your town government works? We want to know what you're curious about. You can enter your question at WMPR.org. Just look for that Ask WMPR banner, and we'll be in touch with you if we find an answer to your question. Today we're talking about casino development in the region. MGM Springfield slated to open in late 2018 the potential of a third Connecticut casino in central or northern Connecticut. So who wants a casino in their town? According to published reports, the Connecticut Airport Authority at Windsor Locks is interested, East Hartford, possibly Hartford. Joining us by phone now to talk about uh, the town interest and what happens next is first selectman of Windsor Locks, Chris Kervick, and Marsha LeClerc, mayor of East Hartford. Welcome to the show. Thank Good morning. I'll start with Chris. You're again your first selectman of Windsor Locks, uh, one of the places that may be in the running for this third casino. Um, what would this casino mean for your town um, if it were chosen? <laughs> that's an excellent question, and that, that's the question we've been trying to answer for the last year. Um, I think the, the the approach of Windsor Locks is we would like to be at the table and like to get to the point where we can actually sit down and have that conversation and find out what having a casino in Winslocks would mean for the town so that we can make an informed decision, so our citizens can make an informed decision once we get that information. It's been kind of a frustrating process, hoping or waiting to get to that point where we can start that conversation. You say it's been frustrating because um, Windsor Locks had put in um, a bid and then the process opened up again just mid-September? Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a little bit... Um, broad to say that Winslocks put in a bid. Win Winslocks is the airport authority put in a bid, uh, as did another uh, location 
within the town, just off the airport uh, property, uh, a company by the name of Sport Tech, which operates the uh, off-track betting uh, facility. And in or- the way the legislation is written, in order for those uh, proposals to be considered, the town has to at least endorse the RFP or at least say, yes, we'd, we'd like to take it to the next level. That's what we did in Windsor Locks. Uh, we said, yes, we'd like to be able to discuss these proposals as well as any other you know, proposal for any other site that might emerge. Uh, that was done, uh, actually it was done the day I took office in, uh, in November. And uh, since then, we've been just sort of following the process and hoping we can get to the point where we can discuss these proposals in more detail. Because right now, we've, there's nothing more than some, some bare concepts, but there's no, there's no nuts and bolts. I'll turn now to East Hartford Mayor Maria LeClerc. Uh, again, thank you for joining the show. Thank you very much. So what's your take on, on how this process has been unfolding? Well, certainly, certainly when you sit and wait and are hoping to be selected, it becomes a very um, frustrating process. So take that out of the equation. Uh, we believe our site is the um, best site uh, for a host of reasons. And uh, we have, um, you know, continually uh, brought those uh, benefits to the to the uh, the attention of the tribes as well as some of our neighboring communities where we continue to have conversations about this is more than just a, um, a development opportunity for the town of East Hartford. This is a regional entertainment um, uh, opportunity for the greater Hartford area and beyond. And we're looking at it from a, a much higher uh, level. Um, East Hartford sits right for the redevelopment of the Silver Lane. We've pulled in a lot of host of um, opportunities that are going to happen. We're going to have a referendum question that will bring dollars to uh, acquisition of lands along the Silver Lane Corridor. We're in the middle of a transportation study through our CROG, our regional COG. Uh, we have recently received a BAR grant, which is the Brownfield Area-Wide Revitalization Grant, and we're going to do a full build-out scenario. Silver Lane is a gateway to the new uh, Rensselaer Field Development pro- Project. And certainly, uh, Silver Lane and having a casino and entertainment venue, we see the benefits not only to East Hartford, not only to our surrounding communities, but to downtown Hartford as we're a stone throw away. We're right on the river. We're on the CT fast track line. We have breaking ground this month or, or the beginning of November for a 450,000 outlet of retail outlet center on Rensselaer Field, and that's just phase one. So we're in a renaissance in East Hartford, and we believe our nexus and close proximity to Hartford to support the tourism uh, will be great. Now, compared to some of the other towns in, in Hartford that are interested, you guys have a fairly um, thought-out proposal. We have spent a lot of time. We have limited staff in the town of East Hartford. But we were um, very forward-thinking in that whatever we put forward was going to meet every, uh, every um, requirement of the RFK. Our town council was supportive of us of putting that forward. We were happy to put our 380-plus page um, document online for transparency. We wanted to engage the public in that. We've had multiple conversations with the public, and the developer has had multiple speaking engagements. The, uh, we've received a lot of support from our community to bring that opportunity to there. We know what it's like to have a large entertainment facility in the, in the area on Rensselaer Field alone with the stadium. And um, hopefully, if we um, are fortunate enough to be the host community for the uh, casino, um, we believe that um, it will spur other significant development in the area entertainment and will continue to be um, a regional destination. Remember, East Hartford is, sits 
within the crossroads of New England. We also have five inter- interconnecting uh, routes and interstates. And uh, with the frontage that it has on I-84, the number of vehicles per day that pass by that location are 130,000 vehicles. Uh, that exceeds any other location uh, by over 36,000 that, that has put put their uh, bid in. And Mayor so, Leclerc, um, can I just ask you, um, when did you, how did you, and when did you find out that the process had been reopened um, to locate a, um, um, or to take proposals for this third casino? And what are some of your outstanding questions for the tribal partnership? Um, we received the notification just as the public did through the paper. Um, I did receive a phone call after it was already announced. Uh, that they were reopening it. Was I disappointed? Oh, I would be telling you I would be was significantly disappointed. As you can tell, we have an excitement for this um, this project. Um, but I do understand that they say that they're in this, they, the, the MMCT Venture, is investing a significant amount of money, and they want to make sure that it goes in the right uh, right place. While I understand that, I'm more focused on uh, what elimination of jobs and elimination of funds that roll from the Pequot funds into my community means. So I think if everyone were to understand the devastating consequences that can arise if we don't step forward and support this, this uh, new casino, um, as, a, as a municipal leader, I'm telling you that uh, it wouldn't be pretty in my, my community, and certainly additional mill rate would raise and more taxes. Uh, would be required of the residents, as would in other communities that receive Pequot funding. Uh, Windsor Lock Selectman Chris Kervick is also on the phone. Tell me, what are some of the benefits and drawbacks of a third casino in Windsor Locks, Chris, from the, your residents' perspective? Well, from a residents' perspective, I think that they're they're taking the approach that the Board of Selectmen is taking. Taking that most most of them are taking a wait and see approach. The, until we know what it means in terms of revenue to the town. Until we know what it means in terms of uh, public services, um, uh, you know, uh, police, fire, ambulance, those types of things, uh, I think our residents are wisely taking a wait-and-see approach. Uh, I don't think uh, the majority is opposed or majority is against. The majority doesn't have enough information to make an informed decision. So that's, that's kind of where we are. From the, from the joint ventures um, perspective – oh, by the way, good morning, Marcia. It's good to, good to talk with you. Um, <laughs> From the joint ventures uh, perspective, I think their own the the studies that are performed uh, show that the farther up the I-91 corridor the casino is, the better off it is for the ultimate goal of, of keeping revenue within the state of Connecticut. I kind of think of it like a uh, sort of this giant hockey goalie standing on I-91 North, and uh, that goalie is going to do a much better job blocking shots if he's if he's right in front of the goal as if he is somewhere out by center ice. So uh, because of our geographic location on the 91 corridor, uh, very close to the Massachusetts line, uh, it, it makes us a, you know, a very favorable location. And I hope we get to the point where there's a proposal on the table that it makes good sense for Windsor Locks and we get behind it. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, then uh, we walk away. Uh, that's, all of that remains to be seen, and we just aren't at the point yet where we can even evaluate it. Uh, you know, Mayor LeClerc made a good point in terms of what are the consequences if this um, this revenue uh, doesn't come into her community when we look at mill rate. I mean, is that a concern from from your constituents? Uh, very much so. Yeah, very much so. The state has a lot to lose. Uh, the towns have a lot to lose uh, by the, the drain that the Springfield Casino will put on our, uh, you know, on the revenue stream that Connecticut has been enjoying. And, and so that's why it's important that it goes somewhere. Uh, 
um, I agree that, that that's a it's really an essential part of, of preserving what we have. Uh, the question is where, and uh, that you know that's that's the process we're in now. And uh, if Windsor Locks uh, is um, you know is chosen as the as the preferred site, then we'll sit down and we'll start figuring out you know uh, what's the uh, you know what's a, what kind of arrangement can we make. Uh, we had both chairman of the tribes on in, in the previous segment, and they're looking for January uh, as being the time when they they name a site uh, for their third casino. Is that something that that you are, are holding out hope for? January now? <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't I didn't hear the earlier segment. I just came in straight from being. Yeah, they um, it you know Windsor Locks is undergoing some pretty exciting changes right now, and uh, this issue is uh, is. Uh, you know, I mean, it sounds like a big one, but it, it's not the primary issue on our radar screen. Uh, we're, you know, our main street is undergoing some major renovations, and we've got a lot of excitement here. So the casino has to fit in with that. If it's going to come, it has to fit in with what's happening overall in the town of Windsor Locks. You know, this raises some. You know, we talked to, we heard a little earlier from the chairman of the tribes, and they talked about the how each of the um, prospective locations have, uh, you know. Uh, pros and cons, and I think you hear that equally here, in that um, East Hartford doesn't have the, the issues that uh, Windsor Locks is, is Chris Kervick is bringing to the forefront, meaning they have a small police department, they have a smaller fire department, they have those those kind of complicated issues where East Hartford uh, has a um, the largest uh, police force east of the you know Connecticut River. Uh, that can meet the demands of this. We also have a... And Mayor LeClerc, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, we're almost out of time, but I do want to thank you, uh, East Hartford Mayor Maria LeClerc. Also, Windsor Lock Selectman Chris Kervick. We're going to continue to follow uh, this ongoing uh, debate about uh, where a casino will be located and the process here on, on where we live. Thank you both so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Our show is produced by Lydia Brown and Jeff Tyson. Our technical producer is Kion Wolf. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.